At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. All right, uh, we're back for the roundup. Are we going to call this one when the cats away, the mice play three? I like our, our theme that we have going. I don't know. I think that might piss Robbie off if we do it, which might be more of a reason to do it. Yeah, yeah it might. Yeah, exactly. That might be the best reason to do it. years ago didn't have sunday hunting um and he brings up how he agreed with me when i said there are some people that fight for sunday hunting bands based on the animals need a break um to me the whole premise of that is actually ridiculous if science if biologists came out and told me that was true i would say okay then ban hunting on tuesdays 
right? Where it doesn't strip the hunting away from a person. Um, Saskatchewan also has a uh, similar privacy thing, uh, private land requirement um, as Maine. And uh, they actually just changed it this year, I believe. But kind of Tim coming in and saying, hey, Aaron, Cody's right on that one. Um, the uh, We did get our first... Uh... Oh, also we talked about, was this me and you or me and Aaron that talked about why predator hunting is so divisive? Was that me and you or me and Aaron? No, you and Aaron. Why... why... We had a short conversation about like, why do people get so riled up about predator hunting, but they don't about deer hunting. Um, and this is a good point that uh, I got to scroll up. I talked to these people and then there was only their first text. Oh, Dave, Dave from Wisconsin says, I think this is probably very valid. I've had a lot of conversations about why people get so right. Like, why are wolves, bears, and mountain lions such targets of the uh, animal rights extremists or animal rights people? Um, he, he mentions it, it's probably an overcorrection from what we did to them in the past. Um, and I think that that's probably a legitimate thing. You know, at one time we did, to an extreme, eliminate kind of alpha predators and predators across the landscape and... Uh, Maybe that's a valid point, kind of. What do you think? Well, honestly, I'm going to take the different tact and say that I think it has more to do with, like, the acceptance level of, you know, like, or the kind of the cultural norm of hunting non-predators like deer, right? So animal rights extremists get just as up in arms about deer hunting as they do about um, bears and stuff. But if you say, I want to completely stop deer hunting, even in a state like New Jersey, right, which banned bear hunting, right, it goes over like a lead balloon because it's just preposterous, right? Um, not only do deer cause, you know, uh, a lot, well, just as much, if not more damage than bears, but also because, like, everybody's fine with killing deer, you know? Because it's, you know, that's that's what you think of when you think of a hunter, right, is um, is a deer hunter, you know, like a that's the kind of classic trope. Yeah, but it's still that. Why is everybody why is everybody fine with it? The, the black bear in America. Well, there's not as many black bears as there are white tailed deer, and but it's just a big hunters. as big of a conversation. Yeah, that's part of it too. Is is the the limp like maybe everybody knows a deer hunter? Yep, but not everybody knows a bear hunter. Exactly. It's yeah, that's legit thing, too. You know. I also think the propaganda people convince the general public that it's our goal as predator hunters to wipe them out again. Well, I don't even think it's just the propaganda people. I think that that's just poor representation of conservation stuff in the history books people learn about in school, you know, like you got to think, I mean, about half the people in America have, you know, just a high school education, you know, um, and even those with a college education know startlingly little about, sorry, that was my peacock flying around the room. Um, uh, uh, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
Your what flying my, in the room? My peacock. His name is Waylon. Um, that's him. <laughs> uh, oh, um, okay. That. Wait, is that an actual peacock? Yeah, he's a peacock. <laughs> um, so, um, is that like a, like a baby peacock that you weirdly have sitting on the recliner on the back of your recliner right now? Yeah, well, he he hangs a, he hangs around the house for now, and then in a couple months when he's fully feathered and a little bigger, he'll move outside. Um, <laughs> with the chickens and the geese, but yeah, he's a. Uh, his name is Waylon after Waylon Jennings. <laughs> of course, that's a solid naming thing. Um, still, by far the first time I've ever been on a podcast with someone that had a peacock sitting on the chair behind them. And, well, he and, was. Uh, he was in. His I don't know. No one can see this, but he he was sitting on his cage, and then he flew over here because he likes to kind of hang out with me. Um, so it's, it's entertaining for people on conference calls all day. <laughs> so, um, It's, it's, it's not, this this particular instance has zero to do with hunting. This is, in fact, someone who is opposed to hunting um, using trail cameras to gather data to make an argument. Should you use bait on those trail cameras? That's the question that was posed to us by a listener. Um Robbie would love to be a part of this conversation. He'll probably bring it back up later just to put his two cents in. But uh, I definitely want to hear your thoughts, Alaska. I also want listeners to respond to this. If you're an organization that's trying to gather data on the movements and behavior of wildlife using trail cameras, should you be using bait? If you have a thought on that, send us a text, 620-860-4804. Or uh, email to info at bloodorigins.com. What's your thoughts, Alaska? So, um, yeah, this here's the question. Are you studying the effects of bait on said animals? If not, then you have no business baiting trail cameras if it is for quote-unquote research. Um, if, that's, if that is indeed what your goal is, right? Um, if your goal is something a little bit less research and more trying to call it research while you're, while you're, you know, um, trying to make some sort of advocacy point, um, then bait's probably a good way to get the the animal on the trail cam. Right. Um, but if you're, if you're setting out out cameras so that you can try and study the movements of, um, of a, you know, anything from white tailed deer to a pack of wolves or whatever, um, then you're going to want to set those in areas where you think they're going to be right. Um, so that you can kind of track that stuff in, in there, but in a natural setting. Right. Um, Cause that would, I mean, that would be to, like, that would be akin to, in my mind, um, somebody who wants to study geese coming and, you know, coming in, like watching my, my little backyard breeding flock, walk around my 
fenced backyard for a little while, you know? If you're, if you're trying to, especially, I, I, I'm not opposed to trail cams. We've been down this damn road before. I use a lot of trail cams only in places where they're legal, but I am not opposed to it. But if during, if you're trying to discover habits and behaviors of a species using trail cams and you use bait to get them on the trail cam, you're not learning anything. Um, and unless there's some weird ulterior motive to get those pictures, you're doing nothing other than getting pictures of animals who happen to smell and come over to your bait site. Um, strange uh, conundrum there. Sorry that I can't be more specific about it, but uh, let us know your thoughts. That's the last. Uh, that's the last of the text that I got this week. All right. Um, well, you want to, uh, um, you want to get going on the articles? Finishment of a free elk hunt. They are both cow elk hunts. I feel like if we don't mention that, it feels like trickery to me. Um, but they're very exciting, cool hunts. Um, meat processed out for you and everything to take home with you here in Colorado. Um, so a lot of other things that you can win. Just go to our website, click on donate, join the supporters program. Um, if you're an organization out there and want to help support what we're doing, our conservation club is another thing that you can just go to the website and join. Um, we'll then contact you and get a logo and put it up and thank you on our social media and stuff. Our conservation club and our supporters are what keep us going and doing and creating the content and doing the projects that we do. So please check those things out for us. And now let's hit the first article, Alaska. All right. Um, so the first one, um, uh, Anybody who wasn't expecting this to be the first one is clearly not paying attention to the news, which is why he came here anyway. So, um, uh, as you guys have probably heard, um, though, unless you live under a rock, there was a bill introduced to repeal the Pittman-Robertson <laughs> Act, which, um, gosh, as a, as a to-the-core Republican, I gotta say I'm just, I mean... Uh, really upset about um, because it's a Republican bill, um, but thankfully a lot of a lot of big groups are opposing it. The National Shooting Sports Foundation and NRA, um, two of the big groups that are um, that are against that. Every hunting organization should be against it um, because it's just preposterous. 
But, uh, I mean, I don't even know what to say about this one. Um, I mean, repealing Pittman-Robertson. The, the weird thing is more people are joining, man. Fulcher from Idaho just added his name as the sponsor. I really didn't think this thing would gain any traction, but Fulcher just added his name yesterday or today. So, And I think that they're... Uh, so I will I will shed some light on the political factors that would make this a palatable bill, no matter how obscenely preposterous it is. And this is a good lesson to to hunters that no matter how ridiculous it sounds to you as a sensible hunter who you know learns a bit about conservation and stuff like that, um, that you got to keep your head on a swivel because um, it can always happen in politics, right? Um, it might not happen today. It might not happen, you know, but today was 20 years from now, 20 years ago, right? So, um, I mean, I'll tell you exactly, though, why this is palatable. Um, I'm not sure what exactly got into the initial congressman who um, who proposed the bill, but, um, you know, it's this goes back to the tribalism that you and I talked about two weeks ago, right? Um, you know, you got you got a group of um, of Congress people that are that are very pro like and look, they're all pro gun. I'm pro gun. I'm as pro gun as you get. I mean, I write articles for the NRA um, on the side. And, you know, I'm a lifetime member. And I'm a member of, you know, several other gun organizations as well. You know, it's probably like the only type of like charity and stuff that I donate to other than like Ducks Unlimited and stuff, you know. So you, but because of it's a, it's almost a, like a pendulum swing, right? So like, uh, because people are pushing so hard for gun, for anti-gun legislation on the left, right? You have this almost, well, I'm not even going to say, I mean, um, kind of Newton's law type of thing where you're getting equal, but opposite pushback on the other side of things, where like, and that's where, you know, we're running out of things to win on, which is a good thing and a bad thing, as we can see here um, on the gun thing. Right. So like we just won concealed carry in the Supreme Court. Um, we're getting, you know, um, we've been winning a lot of concealed carry things um, in, at the state level across states. And so this was just kind of like we're running out of things, running out of ways to virtue signal on on guns. So this is, was just, you know, somebody's really poor way of, and look, I, I don't even want to, I don't even want to, um, I, what I want to believe is that the, that the congressman who proposed it and all the congressmen who signed on to it don't realize how important this is and that NRA and NSSF are going to help educate them about why this is a good thing that most gun owners want. Right. But, um, you know, I just, the, this is just one more symptom though, of like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And it's just, it's a poor piece of policy, you know, that in my opinion, threatens hunting to its core, right? If you took away Pittman Robertson, something has to replace it, Right. Um, and going back to what we talked about from like the backpack tax and like 
taking away a big argument in favor of hunting, which is that we're the true conservationists and, and the funding source for all of this stuff. I think that that moves that from a crackpot theory that you push away in your head as a hunter because you're like, okay, I don't want to be the jerk who's saying, well, this is, you know, I have more of a right to be here because I'm a hunter. I think that takes that from something that you shouldn't think about to making it a, to making it a reality, right? Because that stuff's going to have to get um, replaced, right? Like they're not going to dissolve the Fish and Wildlife Service and every state Fish and Wildlife Agency because they repealed Pittman-Robertson. They're, they're just going to replace it with general fund dollars. And then, um, and then that gets rife, I mean, becomes rife with abuse and, you know, political pandering and stuff like that. Because, I mean, as it stands right now, uh, this is a number one defense of hunting in several states. So this was one of our key components of our defense uh, of the bear hunting in New Jersey. You know, that if you reallocate hunter dollars towards non-conservation projects, the state can lose all of that funding from Fish and Wildlife Service um, as a as a component of kind of how it works, right? If you take that away, I mean, the general fund is just a slush fund where like money goes in and then it disappears into pork and other stuff. Uh, I don't want to give conservation I like to congressmen to spend. I really don't. I like how they tried to uh, state that they would replace it with offshore oil and mineral uh, leasing money. Um that now goes to the general fund, right? Like that's the part that they left out. They, they made it like, no, no, we're, we're going to replace this with offshore money. They're not raising the offshore money. They're just taking the offshore money that used to go to the general fund and redirecting it um, to the States. It's uh, what a just horrible plan. And as a person that spends a fair amount of money every year that is taxed by Pittman Roberts, right? right? Like, I mean, like I, I buy a lot of things that that tax applies to. I just spent 150 um, bucks at the probably tackle shop the yesterday, <laughs> you know, like, and that was just right, yesterday. Right. Probably, probably the most successful, as far as a results driven analysis, the most successful tax we've ever had. Oh, I mean, right. More- like the one that where I see out, yeah, I mean, you're like, okay, I mean, we talked about this, I think, briefly in like the difference between tax dollars and stuff, right? Like, I mean, so New Jersey, my home state where I'm from, right, um, on a on a quarter of an acre parcel with a house twice the size of mine, I'd be paying somewhere in the range of $10,000 a year, right, um, in property taxes. Here, for four times as much land... Um, and half the house, I pay $400 a year and there is no difference between the services I get for, as a matter of fact, a lot of the services are better here. Frankly, the DMV is better, you know, um, the roads get plowed better and the winter is much longer. Um, you know, like, I mean, several things are better about Alaska. Um, but like, I mean, if you're talking about successful um, successful taxes, I can't think of any that I'm actually happy to pay. Like, but I go get my hunting licenses with bells on and pay exorbitant amounts of money for my 
uh, for my fishing tackle and my ammo and my guns and stuff because I know that that money is going to a good place and that it's being spent wisely. But like, I just, I don't, God, as a, as a hardcore Republican and somebody who like has quite literally spent their entire career, um, combating taxes, um, I, I, I can't understand where, like, I mean, this, I, I almost really want to invite them on the show to, to talk about it. Cause I feel like it's an education thing and they just, it's just rookie staff who don't know what, how any of it works, you know? Cause like, that's another thing I've noticed. So I do a lot of comms work and I mean, even talking to environmental beat reporters, you know, you would be shocked at how many environment beat reporters who write about this every single day. Right. That, and that, that have been doing it for years for big newspapers, state newspapers of record reporters at the New York times, like how many of them I've had to explain what Pittman Robertson is to, um, because I always shock right. me. I mean, more often than not, even to like Fox News producers, um, I'm not going to name any names, but like New York Times reporters, Wall Street Journal reporters, you know, Politico reporters. I've had to talk to all of them about Pittman Robertson, and I don't think there's any that I haven't had to send a one pager on, um, so that they even know what it is when they're writing the article about it. You know. Yeah, probably to some extent. I've said for a long time that. You know, kind of the goal of Blood Origins, that hunters are poor comms people. Hunters are poor communicators, poor public relations people um, in the sense so, – you know, not, not all hunters know either, right? I mean, there's examples of those that don't. But but for the most part, we're, we're poor at uh, communicating the positive outcomes of some of the things that we do. We just kind of do our thing and, and don't think that creating that message and uh, – that's really the driving driving force behind what we do here at Blood Origins. This is one, folks, that if you're listening to this, um, Aaron and I briefly discussed this last week. And just in the last week, I've gotten way more concerned about it growing legs a little bit. Um, and the fact that more people are coming on, but in like, Republican representatives from Idaho signing on to this, um, this would be a disaster out there, listeners. If this were to get enough legs to get through and become an actual thing, it would be a disaster. Um, so please reach out to your representatives. And for some weird reason, I, I, I think you're spot on that it's a knee-jerk Let's make the gun people happy after Biden's, you know, after the bill that just went through with the 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 increased gun regulations, which are which are honestly pretty weak and maybe didn't even deserve a, a knee jerk. But um, I think it's a knee jerk to that to cater to the gun base. This is not the way to do it. This is not the way to do it. Please. I, I've never I don't think I've ever on all these shows ask people to reach out to their legislators. Um, but this is one that I really feel like we've got to because Pittman Robertson is, you know, somewhere in the six to $800 million a year that's keeping the great hunting and fishing and outdoor recreation that we have in this country going. 
Idaho alone, like $264 million they've got in Pittman-Robertson dollars since it was initiated in 1937, I think. Um, and, and again, not that it's going away, but the general fund doesn't have any real money either. It's all fake. I mean, it's all made up money. They don't have any cash. Um, well, and anyway, and I want to beat a dead horse. Like perfectly clear, right? Like, like nobody wants this. Like, gun owners don't want it. It's not like NRA has been campaigning for years, like saying that they want to end excise taxes on guns and ammo. Like, NRA, as a matter of fact, is is staunchly opposed to this bill. I know that for a fact, right? Like, I mean, NSSF is against it, so like. Every major gun organization is against this effort, right? Um, like, this is, I mean, if anything, like, the confusing part is that they're still adding sponsors when, like, this is one of the rare, rare, rare instances where, like, everyone agrees that this is a dumb idea, you know? Um, I just, I don't, it's, it's, I mean, it's shocking to me. Like, I honestly feel like the only person, the only people who would benefit, and I say, and I say benefit in air quotes because nobody's actually going to benefit from this. But like from a from a win standpoint, from an advocacy win standpoint, the only people who benefit are anti hunters, and that's literally it. Environmentalists don't win here because they're getting there's less money for um, for conservation projects and stuff like that, as we just stated, because they're going to take it right out of the general fund, and you're cutting off. Um, a source of revenue for it. Hunters and gun owners don't want it um, because it's just, I mean, it's, um, it's going, you know, it's, it's going to hurt hunting. Um, I mean, like regular folks don't want it because, you know, it's just going to open up state land to be sold off for, you know, for different development projects and stuff that would otherwise be protected because of the whole diversion from federal aid, a diversion of federal aid thing. Nobody wants this. Nobody, nobody asked for it. Nobody wants it. I think maybe like straight shooters would be the only, like I was trying to think in my mind who benefits from this at all. Um, and I think that, that, that group of people who just shoot guns, right. And don't hunt would be like the only ones that I could put over in a lump. I don't even think the and look those people anti be okay with it. Like they might like if it passed. I think those people alone would be like, eh, ammo is cheaper, you know. Yeah, exactly. Not not super excited or jumping up and down. Yeah, it's not a it's not a priority for them. Like they've never like again. I'm super involved with a lot of those political groups. I hear from them all the time, and like I've never heard a single member of one say we should be repealing the Pitt and Robertson Act, you know? Like, those people would be happier if you had proposed, if you were going to propose a bill that's going to die and go nowhere, which is what this one is going to do, um, God willing, um, you might as well just propose a repeal to the ridiculous gun legislation that they that they passed a couple weeks ago or any of the other dumb gun laws, you know? Right, it's just, right. If you're just going to make a, you know, if you're just making a political statement, but, like... It's just, it's confusing. I got to tell you that. Let me ask you this. If they took the funding to the general fund, does that give Congress more control of those dollars? Because that's another thing that's scary about it to me is, 
you know, Pittman Robertson dollars are directed. Yep. Right. They're 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 going to the states for conservation. Mm-hmm. And if you pull that back, because I think I've I've heard some people say, oh, they're not really repealing Pittman Robertson. They're just changing the funding and they're reducing my cost of things. But the scary thing is, is now Congress would have control of that six to eight hundred million a year. Yep. um, That Pittman Robertson very specifically directs. Right. Yeah. And then you know what happens then? The fund goes exactly the way that Social Security and every other entitlement program has gone, which means it's going to be bankrupted by by pork spending within like five to ten years. Um, it's just it is it is like I mean, frankly, like it's it's scary because it it is one hundred percent going to give more oversight uh, to Congress, and by oversight I mean more control to Congress to spend that money because it's not because that money's already been earmarked because of leg, because of how the legislation is written, right? So if you repeal the Pittman Robertson Act, what it does is replace that with, you know, that that money's now going to have to be allocated every year as a part of the budget and spending bills, those a- omnibus bills. And we're going to have no predictability like no like we're not going to have like any of the I mean it's just it's a nightmare scenario, you know. Where, you know, it's going to be used as a political football every year and like anti-hunting um, groups are not going to want to earmark dollars for, you know, for uh, for hunting. And they're going to be, you know, advocating for that with these Democratic congressmen. It's just going to it's going to it's going to muddy and already and it's going to muddy a process that should be about science that has already been muddied by over politicization in the last few years. To the point where, like, I don't want to see what it does to wildlife in 10, 15, 20 years. The whole rest of the hunting world just looks at us with envy. I mean, I I don't know if people completely understand that either. But, I mean, hunters around the world, I mean, I'm not talking about specific species that they can hunt. But they look at the access and the openness and the possibilities that we have, and they're jealous for the most part. A couple of very minute um, examples of countries where that might not be the case. But for the most part, we and – and it's because of that freaking bill, people. It's because of Pittman-Robertson. It is. That and our constitution are the things that give that to us. Um, please call somebody, email somebody. Um, how for wildlife has a system set up where you can make contacts. Um, don't get wrapped up in your shit might be a little bit cheaper or they're going to replace the money from somewhere else. Those are both huge mistakes. This is not a thing that's gaining on us. And it sucks that a Republican from Georgia and a Republican from Idaho are involved in this. I don't know how they couldn't understand what they're doing. So Anyway, we we could ramble. We could have dedicated an entire episode. What's the next article you got? All right, so we got um, the uh, U.S. hunting lobby spent a million pounds to uh, fight delay um, UK trophy import ban. This is um, this is a Guardian article. I actually um, included this not because um, I agree with it or it's necessarily like. you know, something kind of 
pro hunting, but I think it's a good example of um, of news bias against hunting, right? Um, so some, you know, so I just want to point out some language that hunters should be, you know, should be uh, aware of, right? Like how, how these things, how we are portrayed in the media is the number one thing that hunters need to start taking more ownership of because it's, um, it's important to, to start correcting that record um, if we're ever going to make kind of serious headway, right? So things like SCI is world's biggest is the world's biggest trophy hunting group. Um, you know, it awards prizes to its members for killing large numbers of endangered animals. You know, <laughs> like I mean, sentences <laughs> like that should be should be refuted like vehemently um, because that's not what SCI does, right? Um, and then it says it is one of the biggest corporate donors to politicians' campaigns in the U.S. Um, as as far as I know, it's not even a corporation; it's a nonprofit. Um, uh, you know, I mean, things like that are just—I mean—clearly incorrect. Um, and that's you know that's that's how a lot of these kind of liberal leaning, for lack of a better term, rags kind of want to portray. Hunters, you know. I mean, and then they have like people like Jane Goodall, right? Prime, quote unquote primate expert, who's really just you know a um, uh, a political activist, right? She may have a science degree, but like she's an activist. I mean, her her work is biased. Trophy hunters kill for pleasure. They destroy animals for bragging rights and to demonstrate their supposed fearlessness and courage. This is all like demonstrably false stuff that, I mean, hunters need to start kind of taking the taking the lead on, on correcting the record on. You know, it's uh, yeah, yeah, and and not portrayed in any way to be an opinion piece, right? Like. Um, this is not the first time Helena Horton from The Guardian has done this. Um, she's definitely uh, biased and her all of her stuff regarding hunting should be. I don't understand why if you're going to list the things that SCI does that you think are bad, especially when you create your own wording for them. You should also list all the things that SCI does that are good. Like you should list what all SCI does when you're trying to, this is a reporter trying to describe to their readers what SCI is. And SCI does give awards to people who are successful hunters, um, but they don't just give awards to people who kill lots of endangered animals, right? SCI also does more work, probably more work for the good of wildlife species and economies of third world, fourth world countries um, than any animal rights group does 10 to 1, 10 to 1. Um, yeah, I'm with you, man. And this is the kind of stuff that, that, you know, this is another thing that in my mind, at least, of what 
our job at Blood Origins is, is to put out both emotional stories and factual data, science, data-driven scientific stories that counter this kind of bullshit. Um, we try very hard to also call out those within our ranks that are being dumbasses. Like, I, I don't understand, and I, I do understand it, right? It's profit-driven journalism um, that when you put what was the, uh, the you know, the, the titles are actually usually what pissed piss me off the most. Eh, this title isn't actually all that bad. Um, but when, when, when you make an article more dramatic to serve a point, it's no longer journalism. It's no longer communicating the truth. It's communicating a biased opinion. Um, and you're right. This is a very good, uh, this is a very good, uh, representation of that, that, um, not looking at SCI's whole body of work and then wording, the things that you do look at to be detrimental to SCI is uh, it's not journalism, Helena. It's just not. Well, and words matter, right? Especially as a media person. And it's just, I, I work with reporters a lot and I've, I've seen this evolution over the years is, you know, I mean, a lot of it's to blame. A lot of the blame goes to newsrooms, right. Um, or, and editors and stuff because, um, you know, I mean, they're a business too, and their job is to get clicks in order to get, you know, um, uh, ad revenue. Um, but there needs to be a greater separate, a greater degree of separation between the newsroom and between the newsroom and the business side of things, so that there's not as much influence on how we get um, how we get our news, but also between the newsroom and the opinion section, because. It is almost indistinguishable these days um, between an op-ed that's bashing something and uh, I mean, and this is a I. It's funny because you hear you hear news report. I see. I know a lot of news reporters, especially ones at big, big, uh, um, uh, big news organizations like the Guardian, for instance, and you know CNN. You know, insert insert. Uh, a lot of people I know in the New York Times are like this, um, but they all get really upset about the whole "quote unquote" fake news thing. Like nothing grinds their gears more than hearing someone refer to the "quote unquote" fake news, right? But it is a self-inflicted wound. Like Trump didn't Trump didn't inflict that wound on them, you know, when he started kind of using that phrase and parroting it around, you know, um, that. All he did was tap into an an existing notion about news media from people who are tired of getting opinions forced down their throat under the veil of quote unquote news. Um, so news organizations have nobody to blame but the but the editors and the reporters on staff who are not writing news anymore. That's why people call it fake news. You know. But okay, so. Well, let me counter that with a uh, opinion I have that I don't think anyone likes. Not counter it, because I don't know if it's just a thought that I have, I guess. It's just as much the general public's fault. In this day and age, if we were having this same discussion 30 years ago, it's not the general. But you now, you now, all of us, 
everyone that's listening to this, because the fact that you're listening to this means you have access to the internet, right? You have access to the truth. You have access to the real knowledge of what really happened. Now, I agree that it sucks how much work you have to do to get it because so many sources are biased, but we've got to quit clicking on this. Since the only way it's ever going to get fixed, man, like the only way that fake news, which I mean, I, I definitely sit on the same side of the aisle as as Fox News does, but Fox News can can be at times just as bad about mm-hmm. it. There's the only way it ever gets fixed is for us to stop consuming it, right? Like, and to me, it's like uh, it's like it's like drugs, right? It's like fentanyl. I don't think there's a whole bunch of people that, that make this argument that marijuana is good for you and harmless. I don't know. Seems like that's probably true. No one's making that argument about fentanyl, right? It's a bad thing, but we're never going to get rid of it until people stop consuming. It. Mm-hmm. The, the, the consumers are the driving factor behind this, right? Um, and I don't, I don't have some kind of an answer, but I will tell you that, if you're out there and you're passionate about, and even if it's about hunting, this article from The Guardian, if you're passionate about fake slanted news, you've got to quit consuming it. Because I probably just generated a half a penny for The Guardian in the last hour by the ads that were displayed while I was reading the article to get ready for this episode, right? That is the only way in a, in a, in a, in a, wannabe half-ass free market society that we live in there's two sides to it god i wish they'd quit putting it out that way but we've also got to make an attempt to quit consuming it in the way that we do um and sure as hell quit believing it like go find the truth you've got the internet go find out what really happened well i think it's a little bit more circular than that right so like and it's, uh, I mean, it's a it's a classic chicken and the egg thing, right? Like news organizations wouldn't have to resort to writing that stuff if it didn't generate clicks. Um, but it does generate clicks and stuff because those news organizations and media shape the way that we see the world, right? So it's kind of this circular thing where like there's got to, the buck's got to stop somewhere. I do believe that people should take more ownership of, how they how they consume their news and like not rewarding um organizations that you know are blatantly um blatantly you know i mean biased especially biased against them you know um and i think that a lot of news organizations have been like like because they're losing that game ultimately which is why they're stepping it up right um they're losing a lot of traffic to blog blogs and and podcasts and stuff like that I mean, just look at Joe Rogan's show numbers compared to like even like Tucker Carlson, like he's blowing him out of the water from a viewership standpoint. Um, and that is because if you're going to just watch somebody bloviate right for an hour, and I'm a Tucker Carlson fan, by the way, and I'm saying that um, you might as well, you know, do it, you know, with like somebody who, you know, is an opinion blogger, right? And not like a professional newscaster because um, it's it is kind of deceptive. You know, again, reading this stuff, I mean, like this article and and it's, you know, it's 
it's an it's an op ed. Let's be let's be honest. It is what is her what's her noodles you know opinion, um, disguised as a news article, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and I think that I think that opinion or that editorial piece, like if 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 you if, you, if we had a time machine, the way to fix fake news is to go back to the first journalist ever that decided to do an opinion piece that decided to do an editorial and shoot them in the forehead before they do it because they were more popular, right? They were more popular with the people. Um, whether the people agreed with them or disagreed with them, more people read them than the actual news story about the bake sale down at the livery stable, right? It, it, they were more popular and fantastical stuff became more popular. Um, to counter my own argument before, the other thing that comes into play here is journalistic integrity, right? There used to be a time and a place when it was expected. And I'm not saying that even back then every journalist had integrity, but we expected it. Um, and we don't really expect it anymore. Um, I mean, I think there's a... Uh, I... I called a reporter four-ish years ago. Um, I'm not going to name any names. I called a reporter, though, and read him the riot act over a bunch of inaccuracies on um, uh, on a story he wrote about, um, about a client of mine. Um, and his... And, and this was for the news section, and I was talking about journalistic integrity with him. And do you know what he told me? He told me that it, it got printed in the online section, so it's technically a blog post. So he's not he doesn't feel like he was held to the standards of journalistic integrity because it was only published on the story was only published online. Quote unquote only published online. Yeah. Let's look at your readership online versus you know, versus in print and then tell me only online. Right. Like I'd I'd rather it be only in print than only right. online. Um, but more than that is just the fact like, that they can go back and exactly the fact that they can go back and edit it. Right. Right. Journalistic integrity took a serious beating with the fact that you can change what an online thing says. Mm -hmm. And once the paper goes to print, you can't change it. It took a serious beating. And I'm telling you, there's a, uh, who was the, what was the, uh, Peter Tile and uh, Hulk. Peter Tile sued for a Hulk Hogan article. What 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 uh, what website was that? That they shut the website completely down. Oh, that's uh, um, I can't remember the name of the website now. Hacker.com or something. I can't remember the. There was a website that wrote some stuff about Hulk Hogan that wasn't true, and they sued him and destroyed the website. Um, and I, I'm not like celebrating that that happened. But if journalistic integrity is tossed aside, freedom of the press doesn't apply anymore. Um, and our freedom of press needs to be applied differently than you can just write whatever you want. I mean, I, there's, there's a, there's a give and take there that, that I think needs to happen. Um, yeah, I don't know. Great article to bring up. Appreciate you sending it. Cause it was definitely a, uh, perfect example of something being portrayed as the news that was heavily slanted. Now let's move on to something that's 
No, at least at least it's list, at least it's listed as an opinion piece. Yeah, um, there's this. Uh, so there's an opinion piece from the Durango Herald. Um, it is from a um, self-described hunter named Andrew Gulliford, um, and he says no to regular hunting season for wolves. It says he's a professor of history at Fort Lewis College, co-editor of the Last Stand of the Pack Critical Edition. Um, which is a reprint of Arthur Carhart's 1929 book on the last wolves killed in Colorado. Um, so clearly a wolf activist um, uh, that is, um, you know, trying to make an argument against hunting wolves. What I thought was interesting, though, about this one was, um, was this quote right here. As a hunter who has sought turkey, deer, and elk in our state for over 40 years, I say no. Yes to wolves, but no to a regular hunting season for them. I'm going to skip over all of the terrible science. Him saying wolves don't need to be controlled, which is crap. The whole, um, when pack sizes get too large, they migrate to other areas thing. Like, um, you know, that's the same thing people say about bears, which are way overpopulated. Um, what they don't seem to understand is that a, a a wolf isn't going to see a city and say to himself, you know, oh, well, I can't go there, you know, or like a, you know, um, a suburban area or somebody's farm and say, oh, well, that's not woods. Those aren't deer. Those are cows. You know, clearly the wolves don't say that. Um, they don't delineate between that stuff at all. Um, but I, I just want to what I want to talk real quick about is like people need to stop with this whole I am a member of a special interest group, and I hold some sort of contrary opinion, right? So I now speak for the entire interest group because I'm a member of said group, you know? Like, I, okay, I'm, I'm Puerto Rican and Irish, right? But I'm not going to get up on an op-ed and say, you know, as a Puerto Rican, I love hunting, and all, all Puerto Ricans now love hunting as well, you know? Like, I have no right to speak for anyone else, regardless of whether they share some genetic trait with me or share a hobby with me. <laughs> okay, like, I don't get, I don't understand. And that's become, like, that whole, as a insert interest group here, um, kind of phrase is, like, something that, like, I just want to ban from the English language. Because it's, like, one of the most pretentious and annoying things someone can say. Uh, in my opinion, because it's like you you have no right to speak for anyone else just because you're like, even if you are a hunter, you know, which I mean, I have my doubts, right? Like you, you, you can't speak for gun owners as like a gun owner. You can't speak for hunters as a hunter. It's like the same. I, I mean, it's I don't I don't I don't even know what else to say. I just don't understand why people make that argument. You know, if you want to give us your fuzzy science and stuff like that, right? Like, and you want to debate that stuff. Like, I'm game to debate that. I just don't understand why, like, you lead off with, like, I'm trying to establish credibility by saying, I am one of you, so I'm now declaring that our group doesn't doesn't support hunting of wolves. Here's my favorite line from it. When I'm big game hunting... I'll be thrilled to hear wolves and maybe even see them running at a distance. Why would I want to shoot them? Why I'm what he's saying is while I'm out shooting other animals, why would I want to shoot them? <laughs> is he not thrilled to hear elk? 
and see them running at a distance. And then he says, a wolf pelt splayed. I love the use of the word splayed. Like, no one, never in my life have I contemplated describing a pelt on a floor as splayed. But a wolf pelt splayed on a cabin floor is about ego and not purpose. I would really love a chance to ask Andrew if he's kept absolutely nothing from anything else he's ever right. Owned. Like, okay, and, it, and was that about? Ego? Yeah. So, it, what I really want to ask Andrew is, like, as a as a hunter, again, as a hunter who has sought deer, turkey, and elk in our state for over forty years. In those forty years, you didn't you didn't pull any taxidermy from any of the stuff you shot. No, no elk racks on the wall. Nothing. No. Yeah or keep a horn or tan a hide or anything. And was that about ego? He does. I can't, I, I, I uh, am jealous that you were able to skip over his science. Um, but he uses the incredibly debunked theory that they cleanse herds and remove older and diseased animals. Um, a ton of the time wolf kills are young, a ton of the time wolves overkill and a ton of the time wolves kill adult, healthy adults. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it just seems so much, it just seems so much like a propaganda piece that, like you said, they're like, Hey, we need a hunter to write this because that will really sink in. If he says I'm a hunter, I'm not doubting that he's a hunter. I mean, there are some hunters who don't think that, uh, who don't think that, uh, you know, who don't under, who don't predator hunt, right? Because they're, they're opposed to it. And I'm, he probably falls into that category. Um, I also um, have an excitement to me that there's now wolves in Colorado, the state that I live in. They're, they're all, we, they are there now, by the way. Um, but we go and do this prescribed plan of adding 250 more to them and one uh, 250 more of them to the ecosystem in one big shot and uh, you know get get back with me first of all let, let me mention this we know for a fact that people who are in favor of this introduction that have spent time on the Gittleson ranch People who you would call pro-wolf anti-hunting people who have now spent time on the Gittleson Ranch trying to help with the depredation up there are now saying, okay, lethal management is necessary. We have failed in every non-lethal way to do anything to help. The, the pack that's up around the Gittleson Ranch has settled in and decided beef is the easiest thing to hunt there right? Maybe they have a taste for it. I don't know the science. What we do know is they just continue to depredate the Gittleson herd. And there are now people who, who kind of got in their, got in their, uh, you know, Jeeps and, and uh, with the Colorado native sticker on the back and headed out there to make a point that they were going to save Dave's cows from these wolves without a gun, right? And a lot of them are now going, okay, okay, the scientists were right. All the folks in Idaho, Montana, and Wyoming are right. These things need to be managed. And part of that is lethal management. Um, the dumbest thing in this whole op-ed piece 
and now I've got to go back and find it, but he says something along the lines of leave them alone and let nature take its course. I want, hold on. I'm sorry for the delay. I need yeah, to he find said, it. A hundred years ago, and we killed them. All. I don't want to. We removed them with impunity, but now Colorado citizens have voted. They've said, let's give wolves another chance. Having a regular hunting season for wolves is not compatible with the ethical values we are reintroducing. Wolf recovery in Colorado will be a grand experiment. Let's let nature take its course. And in in the same line, in the same exact article, he talks about being a hunter, about taking turkeys and wolves. And, and, you know, those things are, are allocated on a management basis because of the fact that they're, listen, folks, here's the deal. I've said this a hundred times. I'm a gigantic fan of letting nature take its course. If you remove 329 of the 330 million people in the United States, but we are fouling up non-human nature too much just by existing to let nature take its course. We have to get involved and help maintain the thing. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a poor, uh, you know, coming from a hunter. It's the poorest representation of hunters that we've talked about today, and it's coming from a hunter. It's bad science, it's hyperbole, and it's contradictory in and of itself. That's what I think of this piece. Amen. Amen. <laughs> How many more do we got? I gotta, I think I gotta I, look at my schedule and see when Robbie comes back. Uh, I I think those are it. I did want to talk real quick about um, the um, uh, if anyone has seen Stranger Things, no spoilers, but there's a there's a couple scenes in there um, from the first part um, where they're going to get guns, um, and it's just, I mean, it's just an egregious like representation of guns and hunters you know they go to this big outdoor store and they're talking about gun toting red rednecks um and uh gun toting hicks they called them um and then they they spend a bunch of time looking at shotguns i mean i'm not i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna go into the fact that one of the characters on the show says um that if you're that if you're looking for a gun for defense a shotgun's a poor choice which is just outright preposterous um but (laughs) i mean it's just i mean that's i don't that's one of the dumbest things i've ever heard on tv but like what gets me is that like they they depict that that hollywood depiction of hunters as stupid hicks um and like these gun crazy stores right is just i mean another example of like the type of like the type of trope that we need to start combating more, you know? Um, and I love the show, you know, but like, it's just that sort of stuff is so egregious and it's, it's not even accurate. Right. Cause they're trying to depict this homage to the eighties. Right. Um, in the eighties, uh, like, look, I wasn't alive in the eighties, but like uh, my parents were and, and whatnot. And like, I mean, just mathematically speaking, um, gun owners were a bigger share of the American population in the eighties than they were today, than they are today. You know, um, there's more actual gun owners, but as a percentage of the population, there were a greater percentage back then, you know, and that 
I mean, that that number goes up the further back you go to the 50s, 60s, you know, stuff like that. Um, and it's just that that portrayal, though, is just it's so disheartening because, like, they can't keep the politics, especially like it's easy to beat up on, you know, on on three things, in my opinion, hunters, Christians and conservative or, or conservatives, you know, um, in, in media these days. And it's just disappointing to me that like that they use that tired trope though and it's just like the whole i don't know that that whole scene just annoyed me um greatly yeah i get i I get what you're saying there's there's a ton of i mean you know you go all the way back to to bambi would be the the earliest reference that i'm aware of i'm not making some claim that it was the first reference that hunters are horrible in in popular culture um, there may have been one before. That's the first one I'm aware of. Um, don't you see, though, like I've said this before, and I, and I kind of alluded to it earlier, the Internet giving us access to everything, right? And don't don't take this wrong. I know that there's still tens of millions, if not 100 million plus people who just consume mass media and believe it. But I do see people wanting the truth um, and people wanting to be able to get their own thoughts and opinions on it. I think it's part of the reasons Blood Origins has seen some some giant leaps in, you know, in viewership and audience in the last in the last 18 months is, is we're trying to be honest and portray this. And I think there's a lot of portray the truth. And I think there's a lot of people that want, like I have this hope that more people took it as a joke than would have 10 years ago, that it actually influenced that, that the scenes that you're talking about on stranger things influenced less people than it would have 10, 15, 20 years ago, because now they know they know a hunter or they became a hunter themselves during COVID or they've seen a blood origins episode on YouTube or does that like, am I just being a uh, naive optimist? God, I don't want to crush that, uh, that aspect of you that I really do love, but yes, <laughs> I, do I do think you are being a naive optimist or, or maybe I'm just a curmudgeonly. No, I, I, you know? I you you can't say that you're uh, you can't say that you're old because you just admitted that you weren't alive in the eighties and <laughs> no, coming 20, from a guy nine years was, young uh, but uh, but uh, the angrier I get, the older I get the angrier I get about all the stuff going on in the world which is which is how I know it's happening slowly but surely. Well, be, being angry and caring is something that I do well, and I'm not I'm not like euphoric but there's no problem right um i guess i just have hope that as more and more people have access to the truth that you know they'll the 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 the, the truth is gonna win in my opinion the truth is gonna win right and history has proven that over and over again we've had to go through some horrible horrible times to get back around to the truth, whether it was the Nazis or slavery or all those things were based on lies that were told to people and masses believed them. 
right? Um, but the truth is always one. And I feel like the internet has is the first thing that has the ability. If the German people had had the internet in 1933 to 1946, 45, you know, I don't think World War II would have happened. That they, they would have gotten, there's, there was really good German people that went along with things because they were misinformed by the mass media, right? See, okay, I think if, you had, if, they had inter, in, if they had invented the internet in like the 1910s, right, 20, 25 years before, um, before kind of Hitler's rise to power started, I think... I think World War II would have happened in 1931 instead of 1941. I really do. I really do. You're, you're all, 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 you, all you see is that Hitler would have got his message out faster. A hundred percent faster. He would have, he'd have gotten his message out faster. He'd have, he'd have climbed power faster. His, I mean, it just, because all of those, I don't think, it was just that Hitler had a message that brought him to power. I think, I think people become susceptible to those messages um, because of instability due to like things that are legitimately making them angry. Like people like Hitler exploit things that are making that things that are real, real things that are affecting people's quality of lives. Right. Um, and w- which is the same thing on a much smaller scale. I'm not accusing anyone of being Hitler on either side of the aisle, um, but it's on a much smaller scale is what's happening here with the polarization of politics, right? Like people are angry. People are angry about their quality of life being, I mean, being mathematically, you know, I mean, statistically, mathematically, like it's provably taking a nosedive, especially in the last couple of years. Um, which I'm not going to assign blame to, um, but um, <laughs> yeah, nice try, nice try. But uh, it, it, but when that happens, right? Like people slide in there and say, "Well, this is the reason why this is happening." You know, this is the reason why this is happening. And then a lot of times, people use it as an excuse to grab power, or or you know, or use scapegoats, right? Like for instance. I will call out the president and say that, like, he tweeted the other day, the current president, um, tweeted the other day that gas stations should just charge less money for gas. Um, and that was, you know, again, you're scapegoating the gas station because you don't want to take ownership and leadership of what's going on. And you and he knows that gas prices are barreling or are, are the giant, like looming problem that's going to sink his party in the midterms, right? Which are coming up in just a few short months. And that is what that sort of thinking though is kind of like you can you can I I mean the same thing with this Pittman Robertson thing, you know, um on the other side of the aisle, right? Like just, you know, you're identifying a problem or something or or an issue that's making making a group of people angry, right? usually some sort of quality of life thing. And then you're exploiting it in order to kind of, you know, galvanize a base or something like that. So I think 
the internet would have sped that along by making it easier for him to communicate about it, honestly. Yeah, I, I, I completely understand the point you're making. I just have more faith in masses of people. I mean, I'm, we're, we're seeing it on, on a regular basis here. We're seeing news agencies who haven't called out a Democrat for a mistake or a blunder in the last 30 years have to call out Biden on things. And the reason is what he said is immediately, what he said and what he did is immediately available to us. You think 30 years ago, we didn't even know what the president did on a daily basis, what he said. If you didn't catch the news conference, all you got was clips at six and some reporters written version of it in the newspaper the next day. And I think Biden is, is an actual example of this, that people that voted for him, people that stand by that D in parentheses in a big way are calling him out on these things. And, and, uh, again, I'm not trying to, I'm not painting some euphoric picture. It's not what I'm doing. I think there's a lot of problems that need a lot of work. I do think communication of true information to the masses of people is the solution to all of it. Um, and the internet is a phenomenal tool for that. It's also maybe the worst thing that's been invented in the last hundred years, along with the best. Thing. But it's also something that could be, that could be very easily rife with abuse. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Right, but the fact it's 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 the only thing. Okay, we're gonna Robbie's just gonna bitch because we're at an hour eleven now. <laughs> but the only thing that's different is everyone has everyone has access. Right. We've never had that before. That's true. There, there's there's no there's no chokehold of the information, um, and I really and truly you know believe that. If you give everybody the truth, the people will come. Like, I believe in a free market, right? I'm telling you right now, did you ever have a Blackberry? Like a, oh, the, the Did you ever have a Blackberry? Um, no, one of my sisters, one of yeah. my older sisters had one. <laughs> okay, I was old enough to have, and it's a time, I mean, I had the best Blackberry there was. <laughs> This is the perfect example of the free market wins, right? Is I still to this day think it's freaking crazy that our phones have glass screens on them, right? <laughs> because I can remember holding a BlackBerry Bold and I could type while I was looking someone in the eyes because I could feel the damn keys and I knew what I was doing. And But the market dictated what the people made the decision, right? Um the people are always going to make the decision in, in the long run, in the big scheme of things, the masses, whether they're making it with their with their wallet at a cash register, with their vote at a ballot or in the streets with a gun. The people are going to make the choice. The masses are. And that that told true through history as well. No dictator has survived. Um, and I think now, you know. We, we have the information at our fingertips. I, I don't know. Try to be optimistic. I'm getting old enough that maybe I'm, I've made the curve. I'm 16, 17 years older than you, and I've made the switch from uh, it's all going to shit to maybe we can save this. Someday I hope to feel the same. No, I'm kidding. 
Um, no, I think I agree. With you. I, think it's, <laughs> I think it's salvageable for sure. There's just going to be a lot of work involved between now and then. Well, yeah, hundred percent. All right, man. You got anything else for us? Shut her down. No, I, uh, I'm good. Thanks for having me. What's the peacock doing right now? Uh, he's kind of h- hanging out in his uh, his little cage. He's cleaning his feathers. It looks like. Does he have a name? His name's Waylon. Oh, I'm sorry. She, we already discussed that. Named after. Phenomenal choice in names. I'll give you that. I got to adjust to the fact that you have a peacock in your house, but the naming of the peacock was incredible. Well, there was two. Uh, I got I got two, um, and they were named Waylon and Jesse. Um, and Jesse died. Um, I think it was just the stress of stress of travel and stuff. So now I'm waiting on a second second one. That one's going to be named Remington. I would like to know if you're out there and be honest with us and you are 29 years old or younger, if you understand the Jesse reference. I know some of you are just going to look it up on the internet and it will be easy to find. Um, But if you're 20, I'm giving Alaska credit here for uh, knowing that if you have one peacock named Waylon, that the other one should be named Jesse. Jesse Coulter, by the way, in, in, in the day, like back in the, in the day, one of the most beautiful women in the entire world. Yeah. All right. Thanks, man. Talk to you later. All right. See ya. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.